This episode brought to you by Samaritan Village and Tomas Lares, founder of United Abolitionists. You've just joined In the Stillness with Dawn Strobeck. In the deep dwelling place where stillness settles your heart and refreshes your soul, where the voice of God is just a little more lucid and a little less clouded, he waits to hold this sacred space just for you. Welcome back to In the Stillness with Don Strobeck. We're going to start today with a scripture from James. And I'm entitling this session, Nearness. And I just want you to listen to James on how we prepare for that nearness with God. It's kind of a tough passage, so hang in there. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. James says that the preparation for nearness is submission and humility before God. He says to grieve, mourn, and wail. It was very common in the Old Testament for the people to break out in wailing before God, individually or together. They knew that it would bring them closer to God. It also affirmed their trust in him. It gave him honor as the God that could turn any tide. But we as a modern people, especially Americans, are very proud. We tend to be very self-sufficient, maybe sometimes self-righteous. Sometimes we're arrogant and sometimes avoidant. But we also have ever-increasing rates of anxiety and depression in our society both of which are partially caused by stress. Grief and fear turned inward. It is through the process of grieving, surrendering, and confessing that God draws us near. We let go of our dysfunctional, cursed way of doing life and give in to his way of finding our way back to the Garden Fellowship. It is in this helplessness, this admittance of not really being able to do it, that the Spirit of God is so attracted to. It's truly our vulnerability. But we struggle to bring sometimes that sadness, that hurt, those unfulfilled desires maybe the places where we feel hopeless, places where we're scared of intimacy or rejection or abandonment. And we build a wall that we think keeps us safe and hidden, but also in our own prisons. 
We just keep trying new things. We keep inventing new ways to escape surrendering. It seems like our Jewish predecessors had a much better way. They wailed. Sometimes even publicly. They brought their hearts to God individually and collectively, revealing their deepest hurts, disappointments, and needs. In Jerusalem, there is a wailing wall, or it might be called the Western Wall. It stands as a testimony to a better way of living, a more authentic choice in drawing near to God. The wailing wall is the part of the remains of the great Jewish temple built by King Solomon, which stood for close to 500 years until it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. It was here on Mount Moriah, the site of this temple in Jerusalem, that Isaac was bound for sacrifice. And it was here that his son Jacob dreamed of ascending into heaven. The western wall of the temple is said to be the spot that was closest to the Holy of Holies, the place where God's spirit dwelt. And it is here that the Jews and the fellow travelers from around the world still bring their needs and hearts to God. The wailing is not a source of shame or embarrassment, but of closeness with God. It is honoring the intimacy that mankind has with God. It is living out a trust relationship with a living, breathing God. It is saying that humanity cannot sustain itself without a benevolent God. It is saying you are not alone on the journey called life and that others are witness to your pain. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in Matthew, who does Jesus say sees God? He answers that question in Matthew 5, 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Do we really want this? Is it important to you to keep your heart pure before the Lord? What confessions might you have? Maybe you struggle to trust him. Maybe unbelief is part of your journey. Avoidance, pride. The purpose of confession, according to James, is to simply purify our hearts so that our hearts can bring more of the Lord into them. As a person who wants to better love Jesus and others, the only way to do this is to live as pure a life as possible, not on our own by white-knuckling it, but by continually confessing to our Lord. We can't do this by obeying the law and trying to be good. It won't happen. Trying to keep the law transforms the kindness of folks into critical Pharisees and give sin a stronghold. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, we learn, 
For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. The real place of surrender says, I am not enough. I am too much sometimes. I am damaged. I am I am affected. I am impacted by this world. And sometimes I don't feel worthy. I need you, Jesus, to change me, to make me holy. I cannot do that myself. We are all those things to God. He knows those parts of ourselves that need his touch. When I choose to lean into the real place of surrender with my Savior, and I struggle just as much as the next, but when I do, he emerges in ways I never dreamed he would. He begins to speak in quiet whispers to my soul and ushers life into every fiber of my being. The reality of him becomes tangible. As you prepare to just give the Lord a few moments, what do you need to submit to him? What kinds of things maybe stop you from doing that? It is this confession, it is this vulnerability that draws our Lord near.